If you have been with us for any length of time, you know I'm expositing verse by verse through the Gospel of John. And if you would, please turn to the Gospel of John. Chapter 1 this time. John chapter 1. I want to show you when we get to John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, which we'll read in a moment, that from John chapter 1 and including chapter 3 and moving throughout the gospel, especially the first 12 chapters, is a major thematic motif. And that, of course, is the contrast between light and darkness. And if you would read with me in John chapter 1, following along as I read, in the very first chapter of John's Gospel, he brings this particular thematic motif to our minds as he says this, In the beginning, John 1.1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And then chapter 3, beginning in verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. This theme of light and darkness, of course, has its origin in physical light and physical darkness. And this major thematic motif of light and darkness, going from its physical realities to its spiritual realities, is all through the Bible. In fact, this is such a prominent motif that if you turn in your Bibles all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you'll find that in the very first section of the very first chapter of the very first book in our Bibles has mention of light and darkness. Genesis 1.1. Starting very similarly to John 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be, what? Light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. 
And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, my friends, that's very, very significant. Not just because of the physical realities of God's creation of light and darkness, but because of what light and darkness will come to mean from a spiritual perspective, as we've read about it already here in John 1 and John 3. This is a major theme throughout the Bible that tells us that because of what we know and because of what we can see and feel regarding the light and darkness, it's very easy for us then to understand the spiritual realities of light and darkness and the necessary separation of those two realities. This is a major theme in our Bibles, starting in Genesis chapter 1 and going all throughout. In fact, look at Revelation 21. Revelation 21. These are like bookends to the idea of light and darkness. And in chapter 21 of Revelation, just like the book of Genesis begins with a description of light and darkness, the Bible ends with such. Revelation 21:22, And I saw no temple in the city, John the Apostle writes, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Why? For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. That's the reality. That spiritually speaking, the darkness has been vanquished. It is gone and there's only light there because that light is the Lord God Almighty and Jesus Christ the Lamb. And John's not finished. Look at chapter 22, verse 5. And night will be no more. They, the bond slaves of God, they will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. This is the truth from the theme of light and darkness, even from a physical perspective, gives us the metaphor spiritually for light and darkness. And of course, light is emblematic of that which is true and right and righteous, which is morally pure and holy. And of course, contrastingly, darkness is that which is sinful and wicked and evil. And in a sense, you could say, as our passage in John 3, 19-21 very definitely says, there are really only two people in the world. There are what we could call light-hearted people, and there are what we could call dark-hearted people. Go back to John chapter 3. John the Apostle says, and this is the judgment. This is the discernment of two of these spiritual realities, and there are only two, that the light, Jesus Christ, has come into the world. This light, the one who is radiantly perfect, the one who is nothing but holy, nothing but white in His holy brilliance, has come into the world 
And yet, the response of the world, because of the darkness of their hearts, is as followed. People loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, hates the light of life, hates Jesus Christ, and does not come to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be exposed. That's why the title of the message this morning is uh, The Consequences of Sun, S-O-N, Exposure. You know the consequences of physical exposure to the sun, right? There are actually two of those and only two. And the one, of course, which is ghastly, like the darkness, is a severe prolonged exposure to ultraviolet rays by the SUN and what that causes. And we know what it causes, and it is devastating, is it not? I like to golf. I like to spend time out in the sun. And I noticed as I returned from Arkansas to sunny Southern California that over the process of time, maybe even starting when I was here before and going through our Arkansas experience and now back in sunny Southern California, that there was a spot that seemed a little curious on my left forearm that later became to be diagnosed as cancer. And I had that removed and had 60 stitches replaced that cancerous growth that had been excised from my body. That's what prolonged exposure to the SUN can do to your body. Now think of what prolonged exposure can mean consequentially to the darkness as they are exposed to the SON. They don't like it. They repel from it. They hate the light. They don't want to be exposed to the light that is the light of the S-O-N, lest their deeds be exposed. And yet there are grand consequences, great consequences, to those who have a prolonged exposure to the S-O-N, who receive the light, who embrace the light, who love the light. And they're described in verse 21 of John 3, but whoever does what is true and comes to the light so that it might be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. God gives those who love the light good works. And it is clearly seen very, very consequentially and very wonderfully so that when those deeds are wrought, good deeds, righteous deeds, holy deeds, that they have been wrought in God. He brings them to us. He gives us these good works. And it is because those who are true come to the light. When you have prolonged exposure to the S-U-N for good purposes, it grants you vitamin D. It helps you. It's health-giving. It's life-giving. You have to protect yourself. You have to watch out. You have to do it in a wise way. But there are so many beneficial effects of the sun's rays, the sun's light for a person. How would we even be able to get around if we didn't have the light of the SUN? It gives us a path. It gives us a way. It gives us the light so that we may know the way to go. 
So there are great and wonderful benefits to the S-U-N. And there are so many great and wonderful benefits for the S-O-N to light his life in ours. And you know, the Bible speaks about this over and over again. It takes this thematic motif of light and darkness. And from the physical vantage point, yes, the Bible speaks about that. God creating light, the darkness being around. The Bible even talks about God creating the darkness in that physical sense, which is something, by the way, that is so very interesting scientifically because darkness in itself is nothing because you can't know it other than its opposition to the light. Darkness is nothing else but the absence of light. And God knows this, and He takes this thematic motif of the physical properties and realities of light and darkness, and He turns that motif into a metaphor for the light of Jesus Christ coming into a dark world. And so John the Apostle says in these brief three verses, The truth that there are only two responses to the light. The light of the S-O-N gives us the opportunity to embrace the light, to receive the light, and to respond to the light that we have. And when we do, we evidence that God wrought in us the very good works that He's planned for us from eternity past. And for those of uh, of you, and for those of you in the world who are not Christians... Coming to the light, prolonged exposure to the light, a coming to the sun, S-O-N, and rejecting that light means that you live in darkness. And the darkness is the world of evil and wickedness and eternal death. And as I was thinking about that this week, that reality that there are only two responses to the light an embracing of the light and a rejecting of the light, which means that that person is in darkness. I started thinking about the other passages, especially in the New Testament, that bring us what we might call the characteristics of light-hearted people and the characteristics of dark-hearted people. And there are many. If you would, take a pen and write down these passages because I want you to meditate on them as we go through them. We're going to go through them very, very fast. And when we do, I want you to see what will be the result of prolonged exposure to the S-O-N. All right? Prolonged exposure to the S-O-N and the characteristics thereof. If you look, for instance, in John's Gospel, and he uses it so many times in John's Gospel that it is amazing that anybody could miss it. For instance, look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know where I'm going if you know John's gospel at all. Jesus says in John 8.12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, of course, Jesus isn't talking about a physical reality. He's talking about a spiritual one. And he's using the properties of light and darkness to talk about the spiritual realities of coming to the S-O-N and having that light in your life. But if you reject those things, you continue to walk in the darkness. 
And here's an example of those who walked in the darkness. The very next verse, verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus gives them the answer in the next several verses. And he says in verse 21, So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Why? Because they continue to walk in the darkness. The darkness is that metaphor for evil hearts. We could call it dark-heartedness. They're darkened minds of understanding. They don't know who the sun is because their eyes are blind. They're darkened in their understanding. They don't know. They can't know because their minds, their lives are darkened by sin. And John even gives an example of one of the miracles in John chapter 9 of what Jesus did, again from a physical viewpoint, giving sight to a blind man, but it's all for the purpose of communicating the idea that spiritually speaking, you must not be blind but sighted. You must not be dark-hearted but light-hearted. John 9.1 And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he says this, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see the metaphor? You can't always be putting off exposure to the light. Why? Because night will come. The darkness of eternity will come. You can't forever reject. You can't forever put it off. You have to make a decision. And Jesus says, make the decision to embrace the light because I am the light of the world. Prolonged exposure to the S-O-N gives you all those great and grand benefits. Eternal life. Sins forgiven. Embracing Jesus Christ who died on the cross for sinners like us, who was buried, who was raised from the third day, and who will come again soon to judge the living and the dead. He is the light of the world and He calls us, no, He commands us to respond to the light. And of course He gives this vivid illustration of healing a blind man. And he went on to say, this blind man, I can't tell you what happened, but all I know is this, I was blind, but now I what? I see. And Jesus spoke to him and said, I did this to you. And the Bible says, he bowed down and worshipped him. This is light and darkness. The characteristic of a light-hearted person is that you see the person of Jesus Christ as the light of the world and you embrace that light. You follow that light. You don't run from it lest your deeds be exposed. You run to the light. And if your deeds are exposed, and they will be, and they will be exposed as dark-hearted sins, wickedness and evil, yet you cannot help but go to the light in order for your deeds to be exposed. And when they are, you fall down and you worship the one who has given sight to your blindness. That's the light of the world. That's what He does. He comes to bring light. And He does it while it is still day. And night comes when there will be no more work, there will be no more salvation, 
and the dark-hearted people will forever live in the darkness. John chapter 12. John 12. Jesus again speaks of this light. Verse 35, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Verse 44, Whoever believes in Me believes not in Me, but in Him who sent Me. And whoever sees Me sees Him who sent Me. See the idea of seeing and light together? I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears My words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. What judge is that, Jesus? The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. That's the characteristic of a dark-hearted person. He doesn't listen to the word of Jesus. He doesn't follow the word of Jesus. He doesn't embrace the light. He doesn't care about the light. Why? Because he knows that if he got close to the light then his deeds would be exposed. And John 3, 19 and 20 tells us that the darkness doesn't want to come to the light lest those deeds be exposed. These are the characteristics of light-hearted and dark-hearted people. How about Acts 26? Acts 26. Do you know the very purpose of the gospel being given out to the world is so that light could come to them and that light would dispel the darkness. This is Paul's call as he received it from Jesus himself. Acts chapter 26. Paul, of course, said, Who are you, Lord? And in verse 15, Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, listen to this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You see the opposites there? so that their eyes would be open, that's the eyes of the light, so that they may turn from darkness, that is the power of Satan. Darkness equivalent to the power of Satan. Light equivalent to the opening of the eyes. You see, light-hearted people respond to the light and their eyes are opened. Dark-hearted people are unforgiven because they're under the power of of Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You want to see another characteristic of light and darkness? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, 
it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God, lowercase g, Satan himself, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He goes all the way back to Genesis 1. Light out of darkness, God said, and it was so. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here he says, the light that we're talking about is the light of the gospel, the light of the good news of Jesus, the light of the revelation that Jesus has come to dispel the darkness. Do you have a dark heart this morning? If you have a dark heart this morning because you've rejected the truth of the light, you've had prolonged exposure to the S-O-N and you haven't liked it, you don't want it, but even this morning, even this day, the light could be shining in the darkness of your wicked heart so that you might respond to the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 6. Paul says, verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? You know what he's saying? What kind of fellowship? What kind of relationship? What kind of spiritual association is there between light and darkness? And the answer is none. Totally opposite. Totally opposite of one another. The light emits the truth. The darkness hides the truth. It stays away from the truth. It doesn't want the truth. And yet God gives us the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the marvelous truth and we're going to get there in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You want to see the characteristics of dark-hearted people? Here they are. Ephesians 5.3 But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Dark hearted people are characterized by these things and they have no part in the kingdom. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not associate with them for at one time you were darkness. In other words, at one time you were like them. You walked in the darkness like them and that was me. That was my life. As a young teenager and as a young man, I walked in the darkness and I did the things of the darkness. He says, don't associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Light. It just dispels the darkness. 
It, it, it exposes every crack and every crevice of a person's life and it exposes it for what it is. And for a person who walks in the light, for a person who's a part of the light, for a person who embraces the light, he wants every crack and every crevice exposed so that when it's exposed, he can confess it and seek forgiveness and continue to walk. And that's why he says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Do you see the difference between dark-hearted people and light-hearted people? All that's good and right and true are characteristic of the light-hearted people and all of the immorality and impurity and covetousness and idolatry, that's characteristic of the dark-hearted people. He says in verse 11, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He'll shine His light on you. And if you want the light, if you want to embrace it, you want to receive it, if you want to live in light of it, you'll, you'll see this Christ resurrection shining on you and you'll love it. This is the way we're characterized. Look at Philippians chapter 2. You say, wow, there are a tremendous number of passages that talk about light and darkness. Yes, it's a motif that integrates everything in these books. Chapter 2. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know when our government makes a decision in a five to four rendering that marriage is no longer between one man and one woman, that's evidence of dark-heartedness. That's evidence of a world, even our own country, that is slip-sliding very fast to an eternal oblivion. I know it's not a pretty picture and it's not fun to be able to talk about our country like this, but this was a dark day in our country's history. A very dark day. There's very little light that shines on that decision making. And what we're to do, however, even in the midst of a kind of uh, judiciary decision of that magnitude, we are to appear, Paul says to the Philippians, even in the midst of that crooked and twisted generation, as the shining lights in that world. That's what we do. That's who we are. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are those who've been delivered from the domain of darkness. What are we called? Verse 12, we're sharing in the inheritance of the saints in light. My friends, this, this is a, a good word for us. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you're to be salt and you're to be what? Light. Shine as light on that hill. 
Churches across this land, shine as lights on the hill so that you may be able to glorify God in your good works. This is, this is a great opportunity for us in our country. This is a grand opportunity for us. This is undoubtedly why, at least for one reason, and maybe one of the larger ones, that in the providence of God, we have the opportunity to live in such a way that we become lights in a very dark place, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, So let us not sleep as others do. Well, why does he use the metaphor for sleep? Because he says in verse 4, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake. If you sleep, you sleep at night. If you stay awake, you're in the light. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope hope of salvation. Light, light, light. This is light-hearted people. And when I say light-heartedness, I don't mean we're just giddy and we're bubbly. I mean we expose the light with a capital L through our little light, right? We're little lamps, And we expose the world to the capital L light. That's what we do. That's what we're about. We're light-hearted people. We're not the people of the night. We don't do our deeds in the nighttime. We do our deeds in the daytime. And we do our work during the day because the light needs to expose the darkness. 1 John. 1 John. This is a truth about... Our God, and it's a truth about us. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5, This is a message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly pure. And if we say, verse 6, we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Another characteristic of light-hearted people. We walk in the light. We embrace the light. And we don't lie about practicing the truth. We live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. At the same time, It is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Do you see another characteristic of dark-hearted people? You say you love your brother. You say you'll minister to your brother. But you turn your back on his needs You lie about the truth. You say you love your brother. You say you're abiding in the light. But if you hate your brother, you're still walking in the darkness. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see over and over and over again the truth that when the light dawns and we embrace that light, 
It exposes us. And we get the spiritual vitamin D. We get everything we need for health living, for life living, for joy living. And the light-hearted people embrace the light and we love the light and we love our brothers and we love the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to shine in a dark world. And we have an opportunity now, maybe in our lifetimes, never better than now and in the future. And yet if we reject if we lie, if we don't practice the truth, if we say we're in the light but we're in the darkness, it's evidence of a dark-hearted life. We say we love our brother, but we secretly hate him. This, my friends, even though this sounds like a negative message, this is a glorious day. This is a glorious day. You say, how so? Look over at Matthew 27 as we close. This is a glorious day. Even in the midst of the dark news of the hour, this is a glorious day. Do you want to see where darkness also resided for a time? If you look in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, regarding the crucifixion of Jesus Himself, now from the sixth hour, that's noontime, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. For three hours, my friend, there was nothing but darkness. And it was the darkness that God Himself conceived of and that God Himself brought onto the world of darkness so for that three-hour period, darkness was over the land. Do you remember in Exodus 10 when it says one of the plagues on Egypt was three days of darkness and such was the darkness in that land? It says in Exodus 10 that the darkness was even felt. It was felt. And you know here at the cross the darkness was felt. Darkness over all the land for that three hours while Jesus was dying on the cross for sinners like us. And then if you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week. Verse 3, His appearance, this angel, was like lightning and His clothing white as snow. This is, this is the light. This is the glorious light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's no longer in the bowels of the earth. He's no longer in the midst of the darkness. He has arisen to light. Do you see it? And God engineered the darkness for a time so that the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ could be shown to those who desire to embrace the light. Do you desire to embrace the light this morning? If you have, there's at least one time of darkness that you would say, I praise God for. And it was the darkness of Jesus hanging on that cross so that the light could come. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we don't want to be like those dark-hearted people.
who are immoral and untrustworthy, wicked and sinful, who do not want the light, who shudder at the light, who reject the light, lest their deeds be exposed. We want to be lighthearted people. Those who follow the light of life, who love the light, who want to embrace the light, who ask the light of life to come into their lives, to clean up the characteristics of darkness and to shine the glorious gospel of the light of Jesus Christ that shines forth in this world. We want the light. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that if there are those who are here today who are darkened in their understanding, that You would shed Your glorious gospel light upon their souls even now so that the light of Jesus on that cross in the darkened hour from noon to three would see that darkness as the shedding of great light upon their souls. May it be so, light of our lives, Jesus Christ, upon whom we rest and rely and in whose name we pray. Amen.